0: Morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? Alrighty. Uh, My name is David Sorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Welcome uh, to week two of our Illuminate series. Uh, This really is a defining moment in the life of our church as we kind of impress pause for four weeks here on kind of how we normally do church, and we're taking some time to just talk about our future. Uh, if you weren't here last week, I really want to encourage you uh, to check out our message online or on our app, where we just last week kind of explained everything that's happening. Because I can't wait 30 minutes for you to watch that right now, uh, let me just quickly summarize um, what is happening in this space. So our church uh, moved over from renting the gym at North Point Elementary in February of 2021 uh, with about 500 or so people. Um, we did the grand opening of this building in September of 2021. 20, uh, uh, and then in the last 18 months or so since that grand opening, A lot of people have come here, and so we are averaging uh, almost 1,300 people on a Sunday morning are worshiping with us at this point. And so we know that we're going to run out of room in this building. Even if things really slow down, we're out of room probably in less than 18 months. If they continue, that's kind of that blue line as they are right now. We're talking more like six to eight months. And so we've been working behind the scenes as a church leadership team for really the last nine or 12 months on our building expansion plan which that's always been the plan of this building so phase one was built with an expansion plan in mind it's just that none of us thought we'd be talking like 18 months you know or anything anything relatively close to that phase so uh if you haven't had a chance to see the building yet or the floor plan it kind of looks like this um this well this is a flat version of it but uh that was funnier in my head okay um (laughs) There's the uh phase one footprint is the yellow. Um that's the building that we're in right now. And so it goes from twenty one thousand square feet to forty five thousand square feet. Our lobby will double in size as it kind of pops out into the parking lot. Kids' wing will go from six kids' classrooms to 11 kids' classrooms. Uh, This worship center will go from 480 seats to 800 seats. Uh, On the the left wing there, we're adding multiple adult classrooms for our fast-growing Renovation U program and for uh, Sunday morning meetings, and then adding office space as well as our staff is growing quickly uh, as well. So if you're just kind of hearing about this for the very first time, One of the things I want to encourage you to do is those Illuminate booklets that were on your chair when you walked in. Would you take one of those uh, today with you? We would love for you to have that so you can learn even more about what's happening. So the building expansion project is going to cost 8.75 million dollars. In order for the bank to give us a loan to start construction, we will need pledges. That is, you know, people write on a commitment what they will give for the next three years. We'll need pledges to come in for over, for four million dollars over the next three years. That's a lot. And if we're going to break ground this summer, like we think we need to, if we're going to keep up with the pace that people are coming to hear about Jesus, then we're actually going to need to raise over $4 million. And we're doing all this because we want to be able to illuminate the darkness for lost people. We want lost people to meet Jesus Christ. In fact, let me show you what the Bible says about this. So everybody grab a Bible. There's a Bible under the chair in front of you. If you're in the front row, it's under your chair. Uh, We're going to be in the Gospel of John, page 723. So it's one of the four Gospels, one of the four stories, uh, books about Jesus in uh, our scriptures. John was one of Jesus' disciples. and We're going to be right at the beginning of his book, chapter 1, verse 1. And you're going to see he uses this phrase, the word, a lot. And whenever he uses that, you can just insert Jesus in your mind. So that's a title for Jesus. Here's what he writes. Chapter 1, verse 1. He says, "...in the beginning was the word." So Jesus. "...and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind." The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, later, in the same book, in John, uh, John chapter 8, when Jesus is speaking, he calls himself the light of the world, and he says, Whoever follows me... Will not walk in darkness. This is such a common metaphor and theme in the scriptures. In fact, actually, this week in my, more, my just kind of own personal morning Bible reading, I'm in the book of Acts right now, and I was at the part where Paul is in prison, the Apostle Paul, and he's giving his testimony to King Agrippa. And in his testimony, here's what he says that Jesus said to him when he met Jesus. I'll just put it on the screen for you, Acts chapter 26. Jesus says, I will rescue you, Paul, from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So you have all of these different verses in the Bible, and we could have pulled out even more of them. They're essentially saying this, that Jesus and his good news are like a lamp They're like a lamp entering into a dark room. And that gospel lamp, that truth that Jesus Christ can save you, that he can absolutely transform your life, that lamp that's shining in the darkness of that dark room, it cannot be stopped. It will not be stopped. It will absolutely illuminate the darkness. And that's our mission. Our mission is to be lamps, in this city. It's to carry the light of Jesus and lead people from darkness to light. I mean, the mission statement of this church is to follow Jesus and help others do the same. And my prayer, Renovation Church, my prayer is that you understand something that I think is so important for us to understand in this moment of our church's history. When we're talking about this, and we're talking about reaching more and more people for Christ. We're not just talking about numbers. Okay, we're not talking about numbers. We're not talking about chairs. We're not talking about buildings. We're talking about people. Real people with real lives. In fact, to just help explain this more, I want you to take a look at a video of Blake's story. So take, take a look at this.
1: Growing up... Um, I wasn't very religious, my family wasn't very religious at all. I probably would have considered myself an agnostic back then, but in all reality, I sort of acted like an atheist. I always thought that Christianity was just sort of uh, based off of myth. And I would even, you know, make fun of my religious friends and tell them how obviously wrong they were and uh, how their, their core beliefs were based off of fiction. My purpose in life was to be liked by others and to feel the approval Of either friends or family. It wasn't until college that I started to ask some of the deeper questions that I feel like everyone asks themselves like where do we come from? What's our purpose? And I was just on basically a wild goose chase of trying to find um, what my purpose was. I would I looked into Buddhist philosophy and tried to meditate. It just kept kept bringing me to a point of like hopelessness and you know just no clear identity except the identity I found in how well other people liked me and thought that I was worth something. I got invited to renovation in February of 2021 um, by a friend. Uh, I always say that for transparency's sake, I was interested in this friend. So it was a pretty big motivating factor to get me to go to church. I realized I'd never given Christianity a fair shot. So I took a Bible, started reading Matthew, and I became just incredibly fascinated with with Jesus. But Um, I still didn't quite know if it was true or if it was reliable. And so after a little bit of reading Matthew, I decided to read The Case for Christ. Um, So I was basically a non-believer just researching Christianity, trying to find out if there was any sort of legs, any sort of foundation to the beliefs. And after reading Case for Christ, I think that's when my perspective really started to shift. I feel like the Spirit was sort of leading me to a turning point. Uh, Christianity was becoming more than some sort of research topic. In Renovation's Easter service in 2021, David had said when it comes to belief or unbelief in uh, Jesus, that the leap of faith goes both ways and our decision is which way we're going to jump. And so it was in that moment that I decided to jump towards Jesus and take that faith and uh, put my faith in Him. And it wasn't until June of 2021 that I decided to stand up at one of Renovation's services, and um, accept God and it just totally, totally changed my life. I'm grateful most of all for Jesus and His Word and the fact that He came down and died for us, that He loved us so much that He died for us. And I'm thankful for the people of Renovation. I think I'm walking proof that your prayers and your patience for for the lost people of the world um, is not for nothing. I think that you're probably making a bigger difference than you may ever know.
0: Amen. Uh, I, I, I totally agree and concur with what Blake just said, that you are making a bigger difference than you may ever know. And I, I just think it's so important for us to understand, as we think about the future of this church, that we're not talking about numbers, we're talking about people. People that were in the dark, that are now walking in the joyous light. That's what That's what we're sacrificing for. But as we talk about the future, I just want to take some time this morning uh, to have a, a little bit of a, a family meeting in the middle of this series. I, I want to take some time to answer a, a really common question that I heard as I visited all 17 of our house groups this last week. I got to see a lot of you uh, in person, <laughs> which was really fun. The question that I'm talking about, I think, in many ways, is the elephant in the room uh, for our church. And so let's just talk about it, okay? Uh, here's the question. And I heard it at every single house group. If renovation church continues to really grow and continue to reach people for Christ this quickly, doesn't that mean, mathematically at least, that we become a large church? And for many people, if we're totally honest, let's, let's just be honest, When we think of large churches, many of us have a lot of reservations about that. And I think the two main ways I could summarize the fears that I'm hearing from people would be uh, like this. Number one, we worry that large churches sometimes aren't as effective in actually making disciples, or that some of them just tickle people's ears, as Paul says in Second Timothy. And number two, we worry that we personally won't like the experience of being at a a growing church, a bigger church, and maybe will feel disconnected or lost in the crowd. And so it's a bit different, but I just think it's critical for us at this juncture of our church just to spend some time talking about this question. Okay? So I want to do that. So let's start with kind of that first worry of talking about will it be as effective? But to talk about that, what I want to do is I actually want to take us back to our guide. And I want to look at the culture. I don't want to just kind of compare and contrast and look at other churches. I want to look here, all right, and see what the word of God says. So would you open this back up? I want you to turn to the book of Acts. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts in the New Testament. So page 744. And I want to show you a church in the Bible that many Christians actually hold up kind of as the gold standard of churches. This is what we call the early church. It's the church in Jerusalem. And we're going to join the story at Pentecost. Uh, That's the day that the Holy Spirit fell down for the first time on the disciples. And it was just so amazing what was happening that thousands of people actually came running to see what was happening. And Peter, one of the disciples, stands up and addresses this large crowd. Now watch how Peter is not holding back in his teaching. Right from the beginning of this church... It is not watered down, okay? So we're at verse 38 of chapter 2. Here's what it says. It says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Now now watch what happens here. When God is really moving and he's bringing the light, there's nothing small about what he's doing. So verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized. By the way, if you haven't been baptized yet, we're doing another one in a couple of weeks. So here you go. It's from the word of God. Sign up. Uh, and look at this. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now if you keep reading in the New Testament, you get to Acts chapter 4, you're going to see very shortly after they add another 2000 people to their fast-growing church. And yet, we also read that their community with one another, their fellowship with one another was deep and it was rich. So look at verse 42 now. It describes this. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, saved okay so there's a number of things worth pointing out here from this biblical church they met together in homes so what so they could know each other because that's what a church is a church isn't just a service it's a body of people they took communion together in their homes even they saw miracles they were discipling one another they were seeing so many people come to jesus so quickly that people were literally putting their faith in christ every day it says But also notice something. They didn't just meet in homes. And I actually think a lot of people miss this when they talk about the early church. It says also that they devoted themselves to the disciples, that is the apostles' teaching. That's verse 42, it says that. And verse 46, it says that these early Christians, they all met together in the temple courts. If you read Acts chapter five, it says that all of the believers... Gathered together in Solomon's colonnade in the temple, and the apostles taught them by the thousands God's word. And so here we have an example from Scripture of a large church. Now, not every church in the New Testament was a large church. In fact, most of Paul's church plants that he started in what is now modern-day Turkey and Greece were quite small churches. And that's because, listen, there's no such thing as a biblical right or wrong when it comes to church size. But the book of Acts does give us an example here of what a church should look like if indeed its influence grows to the point where it becomes a large church. And notice it looks quite different than how we might describe the stereotypical large church today. The church in Acts is still preaching hard truths. It's discipling people. It has incredibly strong community. But church, we we need to study the scriptures closely here. So before we just write off the large church as bad or ineffective or unscriptural, we do notice right here in the scriptures that we have people who are gathered together in one large group to hear their leaders expound and teach on the scriptures. And then people broke into their homes to discuss what they were learning for accountability and fellowship and more. And I would say, my friends, that is exactly what we are doing as a church. And that is what we will continue to do. And yet I understand that if you're newer around here, and and so many of you are, and you're just getting to know us as a church, you're just getting to know me, that you still may feel a bit of uncertainty about the future. And, And maybe this is a way that is helpful to explain it. At one of our... House group uh, Q&As this week, uh, somebody asked a question that basically was the same as every house group. They asked something about the future and the stereotypical megachurch. And somebody uh, raised their hand, and they said, hey, can I just can I just comment on that? And I said, sure. And they said, listen, I, I've i been at this church for a really long time. He said, I, I came to this church when it was a little church of just 150 people a long time ago. He said, I just want all of you that are new to know that all of the things that you love about this church, that we teach the Bible, that we disciple people, a heart for the lost. We're so passionate about house groups. Those were the same things that we were passionate about at 150 people. And if we can keep that unique culture from a little church of 150 to 1,300 people, then you better believe that we can keep that culture from 1,300 to 1,700 or wherever the Lord sees fit to take this church. And I think that's really important to understand because I think for, for those of you that maybe do have some fears about this church continuing to grow, I think if we drill down into what that is, I would say for most people, it's probably more to do with ministry philosophy than it is with ministry size. Because I don't think that you were reading about that church in Jerusalem in the book of Acts and going, that was a terrible church because of its size. And so I I just want to reiterate that what we're doing here is so different than your stereotypical or caricature of a large church. And by the way, there are some awesome Bible teaching large churches out there too. I think it would just be remiss to not say that. But let me just show you what it is that I think so many of you love about our church. And I I hope this summarizes how our future will indeed be so different than some of you may be thinking it might be. So let's just look at this. This is, to me, the uniquenesses of our church. This is what we are passionate about as the people of Renovation Church. Like house groups. What we do at house groups is so unique, right? It's more like a house church than it is a typical church small group. We have 40 people on a roster and 80% of our entire church is in a group. I saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you this week because we're passionate about it. Even though the average church in America is something like 20 to 30% of their people in groups. Did you know that we are one of the only churches in the state of Minnesota that is not doing a Sunday morning live stream right now? Especially for any church over 100 or 200, we may be the only one. I think there's actually one or two of our church plants that are are not doing it. But outside of that, it's not happening. Well, why are we doing that? It's because we're passionate about you experiencing the presence of God in worship, about relational connections. Our pickup in ore philosophy has close to 75% of all of our adults serving. This isn't a cruise ship church. We are planting autonomous church plants all around the metro right now. We're not in this to build the kingdom of renovation but to build the kingdom of God. We are teaching hundreds and hundreds of people theology and hermeneutics and more in our Renovation U program. We are teaching on Sunday mornings right through the Bible even through its hardest passages in an age where most church sermons feel more like life hacks than they do actual Bible teaching. We've brought back gospel invitations. Goodness, we're doing altar calls some Sundays. We're seeing hundreds of people come to Christ and we are discipling them one-on-one. All of this is not normal. What we're doing here is incredibly unique and different and effective. And I want you to know the last thing we ever want to do is to water that down and watch it lose its effectiveness. And so it is so important to me that you see my heart on this. We are so committed. We are so passionate about keeping that unique culture that we have as we disciple more and more people with the light of Jesus Christ. But I also know, as I go to kind of that that second fear that I mentioned, I also know that for some people they just feel like, okay, if this church continues to grow, then maybe I'll feel less happy, less comfortable there, because maybe it'll just, I just don't know how I would feel about it. So let me just touch on that quickly. You know, as you saw on that graph that we had up at the beginning, there are already an average of 1,300 people here on a Sunday morning. And I know this may just absolutely shock you, but not every one of you comes every week. Um, I know you do, but there <laughs> are some other people. Um, but you know what that means mathematically? That means that there are probably something like, a best guess would be 1,800 people who attend Renovation Church. And so if you're worried about what this will feel like when it becomes a large church, I want you to know that it's already a large church. And here's why that's actually really, really important to understand. What that means is how you will personally experience this church in the future isn't going to be any different than how you experience it right now. And that's because the leap from small church to large church has already happened. And I'll say this, you know when when our church was just 200 people and we were at North Point Elementary in the gym, I would say to our people all the time, you can ask some of the old timers this. I would say you can't know 200 people. You just can't it's too many people. And so Even though it sounded weird to say, I would say to them, our community, where we all strive to get to know each other, is never going to be on Sunday morning. We're not going to try and get to know every single person on Sunday morning. Because you can't know 200 people, but you can know people in your house group. And so our community is going to be in our house groups. And that's just as true today. And I think that's important because you aren't going to lose what you already have here, what you're already experiencing here, even as we continue to reach more people with the light of Christ, because your community is and still will be in house groups. You know, here's a crazy stat for you as you think about what's happening in this church. Over 60% of our church is new since we opened the doors of this building. And for many of you in that 60%, you love this place. You're getting connected here. A bunch of you are serving already. A ton of you are already in house groups. That's awesome. But perhaps with your finances, perhaps you're not in yet. And I'm telling you, if that's where you are and that kind of describes where you are with this church, I'm just telling you right now, this is the time to make that step. To get committed financially as well. To trust God with that part of your life as well. We need you in this moment. Our lost friends and family members, they need you to step in now, in this moment. We need you to pick up an oar with us. This ain't a cruise ship church. And if we're ever gonna be able to get to this point where we're gonna together raise over $4 million, that that will take, something of that magnitude will take all of us coming together to pick up and, or. and so I just ask, please be praying uh, for our commitment Sunday where we're going to hand in those three-year pledges of what we'll give to this. We are now only 14 days away from this. So this is going to go quick, okay? And so if you haven't yet, please uh, seek the Lord on this. Ask him how you can be a part of this. And then, and finally, I just want to say this. I just want you to think back to what we saw in Blake's video And I want you to even think about the other 190 people. Many of them are sitting among you right now. They might be sitting in your row. These are real people who have had their lives incredibly transformed by the gospel in this place. They were living in darkness and now they're not. They've gone from darkness to light. Think about those people. Think about what's happening here. I I, I don't know how else to say this. God is moving right now In this space, in a way that has rarely been seen in this country the last five or ten years. And it's happening right here at our church. That's insane. It's happening in our midst. And so church, hear me. It is critical. When you have a move of God like this. It is critical at this important juncture that we as the people of Renovation Church, that we move our eyes off of our own preferences to God's mission. And his mission, as we see in his word, is to illuminate the darkness. Is to illuminate the darkness for lost people that need Jesus Christ. There are lost people all around us. By the thousands, by the tens of thousands that are lost scraping around in the darkness, trying to find the light on the path to hell. And if only we would illuminate it for them. And I'm just telling you, we sit on the doorstep of being able to make not just a little, but a massive difference in this city. Before you know it, I believe that there will be a renovation church house group in every neighborhood of this city. And so that in every neighborhood, you could just say, come on down. You see all those cars on the road? (laughs) Come on down. I want you to be a part of this. It won't be long until we're training over 500 adults in the Bible and theology every summer. People that we can then train and then send out to church plans. Train and then send out to the global mission fields. I can see a future where we are baptizing new believers not just once a month, but we could literally do it every single week. God is moving in our midst the light is pushing back the darkness in this city and the darkness cannot and it will not overcome it. And I just want you to be a part of it. All right, let me pray. Lord, I just pray that you would be with our church right now at this critical moment where we just wrestle with what's coming. God, may you keep our eyes on your mission, on your heart, on the lost, And may you continue to use us to reach them, to disciple them. And may it all be, Lord, may it all be for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.